0: good morning good morning uh today um we're we're, uh, doing an audible changing things up um i will be speaking on the sixth letter rather than the fifth letter um to church in revelation pastor michael is sick come on there you go he was probably watching so that 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 will help him Uh, thursday and friday he told me he wasn't feeling well i told him to man up he did not listen Saturday, he texted, sorry, I probably triggered some people. Um, Saturday, he told me he's still feeling uh, not well, and I told him it was sin, and he needed to rebuke it. And then later on, uh, yesterday, he said, no, dude, I'm, I'm sick, so be ready. Uh, so here we are. So we will pray for him, and um, so if you're wondering, like, why aren't we doing, so the next two weeks, he'll do letters uh, five and letter seven. So this morning, we're going to be in Revelation 3. Uh, verses 7 through 13. So uh, read with me. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, who opens, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds, see I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Verse 10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from our hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, Lord, God, thank you for this morning. May your word be taught. Holy Spirit, move among your people and will reveal your word to us. Lord God, we also lift up Pastor Michael this morning. God, just be with him. Uh, Speak to him in special ways this morning. And God, we also pray in Jesus' name that you would heal his body. Father, thank you for your bride and thank you for the church, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. So Philadelphia, um, the city of brotherly love, it was actually called this uh, way before uh, Christians were there. Um, But it does depict who this church is. They are a church of love and love on a mission. I would say this, just like we talked about um, a couple weeks ago, or or I guess last week, Satan is on a mission to steal the definition of love. Whether that be agape love, unconditional love, phileo love is an intimate relationship, not, not sexually, not romantic. But then also that Eros love, that romantic love. He's on a mission to sabotage those definitions. God created love in all of its form. And the enemy is on a mission to lie to the church because he knows the church is God's chosen vessel to be the light to the world. Does that make sense to us this morning? And I would say this, even as we're getting into this in this church of Philadelphia that was known for its love, and God is going to tell them, man, you are so loving, Right? You're doing so, so well in it. Parents, teachers, listen up. The enemy is on overdrive, and they're after our kids. Let's stop fighting. Let's stop being arrogant. Let's stop making the main thing the main thing. Like, let's, like we, we, we start arguing about other things and being distracted, and our kids are the ones being hurt. They don't know who they are. They don't know who to love or how to love. And we're too busy fighting. To teach them. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's looking at this. May it just wake us up. If you're a teacher, God has called you to do it. Do it well. Right. Parents, people that work in kids ministry, all over our city would we wake up and realize. In my generation, it was MTV. Remember MTV? Right. Most of our, are like, what's that? Young people. Right. And, that, and their CEOs at that time would say, well, we own your kids. So there's new voices now that are trying to own our kids. Would we actually be a light? Okay. Philadelphia, brotherly love. Jesus says here, these are the words of Him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. This holy one is all throughout the Old Testament, and it's when referring to God. Jesus is again letting them know I am God. But then he says, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. This is from Isaiah 22:22, which says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. This, is, uh, this verse is about a, a real man in the time of I- Isaiah that God put in a position to actually be the gatekeeper Um, to a king, but then also it is prophetic and is talking about the Messiah. You see that in, in Old Testament scripture all the time. It's talking about something that's happening then, but also things to come. And so what Jesus is saying here to the church in Philadelphia, I have approved you. I have saved you. No one else can take that away. No one can shut the door. The church in Philadelphia is being persecuted by the Romans, but also by the Jews. And think about this persecution for a moment. The leading government, those in power, they do not like you. You are a threat. But also, if the religion that is closest to you, which would be the Jewish religion, they don't like you either. So, Jewish Christians would, most of the time, on Saturday, the Sabbath, would worship in the synagogue. And then on Sunday, when Christians would meet, they would also worship the Lord in Paul's writings and other writings as well as the Old Testament. Does that make sense to us? Right? They did not, um, they had to kind of keep some of this a secret from Saturday to Sunday because they were not allowed to worship Jesus as the Messiah on Saturday. So they had two enemies, the Roman Empire, but also religious leaders of their time. And if you were a Christian Jew, you were the most hated Right? They would call them, these guys are they are blasphemous. They're saying that this Jesus is Lord. So think about what they were going through. <laughs> they had truly no place to lay their heads. And so that's why Jesus is, is telling them, man, walk in this love. Walk in this love that you have. It's also why he calls um, the religious leaders in those cities Um, synagogues of Satan. And this is something that the Apostle Paul dealt with in many letters to the churches in the New Testament. Gentiles who came to faith were being told to become circumcised. I'm not going to explain what that means right now. To be made clean, and Paul was having none of it, right? So if I was a Gentile wasn't a Jew and I came to, to, to the faith through Jesus Christ, then a Christian Jew would come to me and say, actually, you're not clean enough. You need to be circumcised, therefore you'll be clean. Raise your hand if you somewhat know what I'm talking about. Okay? Some are not. Google it. You'll, find, you'll figure it out. Okay. And Paul, who was a former Pharisee, was having none of it. Why? Because they were changing the gospel. From 2,000 years ago to now, Satan always likes to either take a little bit away from the gospel or add a little to it. And we need to be cautious and listen to that. There's nothing new underneath the sun. Satan doesn't come up with new ways. This generation isn't worse than the generation before or better than the generation before. Let's get that straight, right? We can look to history in Scripture. We can look to history of the early church fathers and see that this is something. Satan doesn't have to change his tactic because we'll always take take on what he does. It is so scary to me as a believer and as a pastor that we hold so tightly to additions to our identity as believers other than a Christ follower. God uses different denominations. Praise be to God for that. However, I can't in the city of Springfield when someone says, what do you believe? If I say I believe in Christ, the risen Savior, it's not enough. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? It should be enough. Jesus is all we need and his gospel. Yes, there are different forms and services and activities. We'll call this denomination that and that denomination this. And that's okay. God uses it in all his glory. But do not let that be your identity. Do not be where that stops. And then what happens is, well, this group won't talk to that group as the body of Christ. We are to function as the body of Christ. Emmaus needs other Christians in our city, in their churches, as much as we need each other. To be on mission. Does that make sense to us? Do not let the enemy take your love for the body of Christ. Jesus is telling them here's this question who opens the door? Who closes the door to God? They're saying these Christians do not walk with God only we do and the Lord has something to say about it. Jesus in 14:6 says Jesus answered, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this this John 14:6 comes when Jesus is saying I'm I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be going away and I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. And Thomas says, "Well, how will we find you? How will we know where to go?" And he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And all throughout John 14, Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is one of the ways where we get the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling them, no one other than me can open the door to heaven, and no one else can close it. And clearly, I've opened the door for you. And again, this is why Jesus is calling the people a synagogue of Satan. says the same thing to the church in Smyrna. And Jesus had a lot of really hard things to say to false leaders and false teachers. Sometimes Jesus says some things that are hard, right? That wouldn't be in our kind book. One of those verses is John eight forty four. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was murdered from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus says something that's true, but in our understanding, unloving. Raise your hand if you get what I'm saying by that. Right? When we're talking about the sabotage of love. If we're not careful, we only follow the things that God says. And I'm just like, oh, that sounds really nice. That sounds something that my mom would say. My mom would probably not call me, if, uh, that, say my father was the devil. Maybe she would. I don't know. Right? The Lord says some things that are true, although if we're not careful, this sabotage of love will only follow the God of the Bible of the things that make sense to us or, like, make us feel good about ourselves. Right? Jesus says some really hard but truthful things against false teachings. And what he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees at that time, he's saying, you're so caught up in this religion and rules that I didn't even tell you to do. So watch out for that. And it's the first point this morning, though, as we look at these letters, there's warnings, but there's also encouragements. In this one, it's an encouragement. I'm saying, like, I know that you're of little, like, like, that you don't have much, just like in the church in Smyrna. Like you said, you're not rich, you're not wealthy, you're not popular, but you're rich in me. Same thing here with Philadelphia. He's like, I know that, you, that, that they're mocking you. I know that they're saying God isn't with you because there's not many of you. But the Lord is saying, I am with you. The door can't be shut for you. Only I can do that. Only Jesus can do that. So the first thing we want to look at this morning is no one can stop what God is doing in your life but you. You can't stop what God is doing. The world can't stop what God is doing. If you are in Christ Jesus his fruit will abound in your life as you continue to walk in him. Although sometimes it will seem like it's not that way. The reason why I would say here, no one can stop what God is doing in your life but you is because only you can come to Jesus Christ through his message, and only you can deny it. Only you can believe the lies that this world says about you, right? I can't believe that for you. Only you can believe or accept it yourself. That's why truth matters, and we lay it here in a public teaching so we can accept it or reject it. Romans eight thirty one from the Apostle Paul. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? The Romans was written in, in time of the early church. Again, they were scattered. They were mocked. They were ridiculed. They were persecuted. They were the least. And on, and this is what's awesome. God used this to scatter his people to spread the gospel. Just like the church in Smyrna. He says, I know you have a little strength. Just like a few weeks ago, we must be careful on how we measure success. Healthy, wealthy, and popular. And even as this church grows, and it is, the main thing must be the main thing. And it must be the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say something that might shock some of us. Maybe it won't. Theology did not save you. Theology did not save you. Jesus did. Don't leave that faith. Not how smart you are didn't save you, knowing all the Bible didn't save you, but the Holy Spirit letting you realize that you had sin and that there's something off in this world that you would then look to a God, look to a creator and find out through the message of the apostles and the prophets that this God is Jesus and he came to die on a cross for you. That's what saved you. As you grow in the Lord, you will grow in word and orthodox theology. It's like true right teachings from the last 2,000 years. You will do that. And the more you grow in your understanding, the more you'll realize, the more you know the Bible, that you had nothing to do with your salvation. It was just God's love on you. His invitation to come home for the lost to be found. And that's what God is saying to the church in Philadelphia. Man, I know you're weak, and I know you're the least of these, and I know you don't have strength in their view, but know what I'm doing, and you cannot be stopped. Tim Keller... um, said this many years ago, you don't realize God is all you need until God is all you have. And if you actually look at that, um, it comes from Scripture, and different leaders will all say it a different way. Right? So it's not just Tim Keller that has said that. But it's, it's coming to this place of actually blessing. And, and Scripture is all about this, where God is, is telling through the Apostle Peter and through the Apostle Paul and other different writings, as the church was being scattered and they were going through so much pain, God is saying, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'm up to something good, right? Be rooted in me and watch what I will do. And in their greatest discomfort or agony or pain or temptation came a closeness with the Lord that became precious to their walk, to their faith, and to their life. Because God is all they had, and Jesus was all they needed. You don't see great moves of God by doing things your way, and at your pace, and in your comfort. Some of the obstacles maybe that some of us either like are dealing with this morning, either financially, or health, or relationships, Sometimes God will allow in your life so you're reminded it's not by your strength, but it's by His. Like God doesn't call people to do things that He thinks they can handle because they're so good at whatever. Like that's not how it works. God is reminding them. Yeah, this synagogue of Satan sees you as not messengers of God. They say you don't know God, and part of the reason why they're saying it is because well, look how poor they are, look how least they are, look how like God's not with them, obviously. Sometimes, like, Scripture would tell us to look at the fruit, but we need to look at biblical fruit, not worldly fruit. Amen? And I would say this as a side note. In the West, sometimes our culture permeates into the church rather than the church permeate into the culture and being a light. And we, because the world looks at what success is, we start doing it too. Some of us, maybe mean, we are on a right track and calling of the Lord that he's going to bless, but it's a hard one. It's sometimes a lonely one. And God's saying, come on, and you're letting the world dictate on whether you hear the voice of God on that or not. They needed to understand, and we need to understand, if you are on Christ Jesus, no matter how weak or small or great you might think you are, God's word will not come back void in your life. You cannot out- outrun him. You are marked by his grace, his forgiveness, and his resurrection. Romans 8, 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a difference between walking in sin and stumbling in sin for a believer. There truly is. Like if I'm, if I'm following the Lord and I'm just choosing to walk in sin, it begs the question, do I know this Jesus? Because you've, you'll come to find as you're walking with the Lord then the Holy Spirit is more powerful than sin. The Word of God is more piercing than, than the alluring temptation of sin. And so you will, like if you truly have tasted the blood of the Lamb... If tr- you're like, I just, oh, I'm tempted and I'm stumbling, but I can't walk in it. I have to follow Jesus, right? But one of the most beautiful things that you'll see as a believer, as dangerous and death as sin is, God will not leave you. He will not forsake you. You will not be separated from him. Does that make sense to us? Don't judge the love of God for you by how well things are going in your life. Healthy, wealthy, popular. Judge it by the gospel. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. God is for you. He's not against you. Second thing. we see this letter in Philadelphia, I think it's really important in our world. We're all about, in our Western culture, making our name known. Making sure everyone respects us. Make sure everyone sees what we're doing. I mean, good night. I don't need to go on like a, a rabbit chase of social media, but there is a lot of meism out there, friends. Nothing new. Caesar tried it too, right? All right look at me, look at me. But it is, it is daunting. It is daunting. And just watch out for it because it's, it's not all good. Let God fight for you. Verse 9. I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So they are in a place of persecution and God isn't saying, okay, tell you what, we're going to get real strategic and I'm going to tell you how to overcome them and, and, and beat them up and be better at this religious game than them. Nope. He says, I will fight for you. I will do this thing. And it's something that we as Christians, if we were to ask what's the most powerful thing we could do, would it be the word of God, the spirit of God in prayer? Or would it be how strategic we can get or how whatever we can do in our way in thinking? Which is more powerful? And I've had too many conversations with Christians would say, come on, let's be real. We've got to do more than pray. Possibly, but you better pray first. You better seek the Lord first. Because this is exactly what Jesus tells the church to do. He goes, I have you. Don't take revenge. Turn the other cheek. See, Christ's followers are marked by the love of God. Love for God and love for people in that order. Church, where we get things backward is we love people more than we love God. We look to society for their approval more than the love of God. Right? Scripture even tells us to fear God. And for some, they'd be like, whoa, whoa, how can I? If you really understand God, you have a reverence for him. The mission for the church was not to be more strategic or outwit the enemy. It was to love them. I love uh, these two quotes. Uh, one from Jack Hiles, um, a pastor from years ago that since passed, and then Martin Luther King Jr. And the first one. You will never really love until you love someone who hates you. Man, that quote ticks me off. But it's true. Right, it just is. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. That was the mission of the church. It was like, you're, like okay Lord, who's our mission? The people that hate you? Okay Lord, who's our mission? The people that are imprisoning you? Okay Lord, Who's our mission? The people to talk about you? They're not going to be your mission if you're hitting them. They're not going to be your mission if you're talking bad about them. You're not going to be your mission if you can't separate the sin from the child of God. The image bearer of God that they don't even know they are until they've met Jesus. Matthew 5, 43 to 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And this is, again, how the world was turned upside down by the Christian church. Which is more powerful? Fear? It's pretty powerful sometimes. Hate? The way the dark side, you Jedi people? <laughs> Vengeance? Or love? We're not careful. Like ah. There's a reason why the enemy wants to sabotage even agape love or phileo love. It's powerful. If I was to Ask everyone in the room if I would look at the mama bears in the room. Raise your hand if you're a mama bear. You know the answer to which is the most powerful, right? I was a teacher once, right? And I was not scared of the dads, but the moms. If I saw a mama bear coming, I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) And I would always laugh at some of the loving parents because... Somehow uh, junior who could not tie their shoe or brush their teeth that morning or listen to anything you said was now a genius truth-teller and knew more than the teacher. That's a side note but it's true. Let God fight for you for he loves you. He is our father and his love is so powerful. Do not let the enemy take your love. That would be the third, third point this morning. Hold fast and do not let go. <clears throat> verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Again, Christians are marked with his love, love for his presence, love for his people. First Peter four four eight tells us love covers a multitude of sin. Okay? You, a lot of times that, that's gonna, that verse is going to be said uh, at a wedding ceremony, right? Because you're reminding the couple, you're not perfect. You're going to need a lot of love. Okay, not to burst their bubble. That's true. And if you've been married a while, you're like, amen to that. Right? 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sin. It's not saying, it's not putting a blanket over sin. It's not saying, oh, just, you know, just go ahead and sin and we'll just let. No. We live in a world of brokenness, so there will be sin. You will fall short. Love well. You never know what God will do. If we'll hold and, and toe the line of like, no, I'm going to be loving even when the world's not. Right, I'm going to be, lo- be loving even though those that don't know love Jesus or even those that say they love Jesus seem so unloving. That never gives us a right to then stop walking in the power of God's love. Tim Keller said this, real love, the Bible says, instinctively desires love. And that goes for all, all, all the types of love that we could look at today, whether it be romantic love, phileo love, agape love. You've got to be, be marked by it. Don't let go of it. Don't let the world change the love God has given you. I mean, there's, like, when someone comes to faith for the first time in Christ Jesus, they are funny and sometimes, like, obnoxious because they're so excited, right? And they're just like, okay, let's just chill out, chill out for a little bit. What I've seen when God has really marked someone with love, it's just like they will challenge you as a mature Christian to read the Bible in a different lens, right? To see God's holiness, his hope to turn the other cheek. And I've seen so many that have come to the faith just become a radically different person just on how they viewed people that had hurt them. To start to forgive them because their forgiveness was so raw and fresh that sometimes we can forget how the Lord forgave you of your unrighteousness. And then it changes our lens on how we see people. Every time I become a jerk, which is too often, and I'm like, oh, Lord, how could they do that? The Holy Spirit will say, how could you do that? And I blessed you in it. I'm like, yes, Lord, you did. Don't let the world change the love that God has given you with the Holy Spirit. And there's a wrong way and a right way to do that, Right? It's just like, sometimes you gotta bite back against the world. Um, I grew up, um, and still am, this very opinionated, and kinda like, I'm just gonna do this, and my parents would, when I started driving, would tell me things like, don't leave your keys in your car. It's pretty smart, right? They'd also tell me to lock my car. I, in defiance, would not do either one of those. I would leave money in my car, too. And my whole thought process, I know it's not smart, but my thing was like, the world's corrupt, I don't have to not trust people. The world's corrupt, I don't have to think just because I put a $20 bill that someone's gonna take it. Okay? There's a wrong way and a right way to do some of that thinking. You still have to be wise, my friends, right? When Jessica and I first got married, I would not lock the door. Now I do, right? Years ago, because and this will be a short story, I kept my keys in my car and I do it all the time, and people thought it was funny until finally my car was stolen. And I had to look at the cops and the insurance company and say, well, did you leave the keys in the car? (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) Right? They're like, you moron. Right? So wave at people. Trust people. See the hope of Jesus in people, but also be wise in things. Right? That's just a side note. Like, don't, you shouldn't trust every person without seeking, but you should have a love for every person. Right? I have my kids. I'm not going to just trust them anywhere and everywhere. Right? We literally have a an app for both of our daughters. We can see where they're going, how fast they're walking, the bubble. Any other parents have that? Right? 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 I know how corrupt the world is. They, and they are, are everything. So we're going to love them. Okay? Do it, do it wisely. But you can also stand. Right? If you want to mess with people, just wave at them. Driving down the road. Don't be obnoxious like I am about it. My kids would be like, why would you wave at them? I'm like, because they might want to wave back. Right? And they're like, you're weird, Dad. Yes, I, I am. Yes, I am. And most of the time, they don't wave back the way I want them to. But I'm still going to do it. Jesus says, hold on. Do not let anyone take your crown. He says, I'm coming soon. And this is also a, another great reason why we're looking at these seven letters. Because there's great commands and rebuke. There's great encouragement. Then the greatest thing is reminding the bride of Christ, Jesus is coming back. This isn't our forever home. This isn't our forever reality. Jesus is coming back. But something that the early church, again, struggled with is after months that became years, that became decades, they were mocked. Okay, where is your God? He said he was coming soon. And we talked about this last week, but I want to, like, put a little bit more depth into it. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. And this is a, a rebuttal to that. Like, where's your God? Where, where's, 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 what's your God doing? When's he coming back for you? It says, do not forget this one, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone to come to repentance. And this is the love of our God. Why do we walk in love? Because he sure does. Why, like the Lord loves lost people so much, people that don't know Jesus so much, as we should too. He's like, yeah, I see the pain, and it hurts me more than it hurts you. I see the corruption. It hurts me more than it hurts you. So God, why aren't you coming back? It's like, because I want them to turn. Last week, talking about the spirit of Jezebel, and like, is not a good lady. And the Lord says, I'm giving her time to repent, but she just won't. And that's why, like, love is, God came not to judge the world, but to rescue the world. There will be judgment. That's another thing that the letters, like, there will be a day of judgment when it's too late. That's also why the church is to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. But we cannot miss, we cannot miss how patient God is with people that do not love him, that do not respect him, and do not listen to his word. Stay in the love of Christ, but would we also walk in his patient love, his hopeful love. God doesn't see anybody and go, well, that one's just too far. Man, they just, I never, they came up with a new sin. I didn't even know. Right? Right? And then we live in a day and time where people want to take certain verses out of context and and oh how much God hates this or hates that and he is tough on sin but man he's slow to some things not the way we are slow he's slow on some things because of his love for the world to come to know him and there's a great hope in 1 Thessalonians 4:16 to 17 for the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we'll be with the Lord forever. That's why the message is alive and well today. In verse 13, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And that's another way that Jesus would use in his teachings. Like, wake up. Wake up. Listen to these messages. Get off your phone. Listen to the messages. Stop being so busy. Listen to the messages. Stop being so worried. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. For there is so much good for the church to do in the days now and the days to come. Amen. A couple questions as the worship team comes up. because It's getting to be about that time. First question. Do you know the love of God for you? The creator of the heavens and the earth, the sun, our galaxy, all things good, things that we would marvel at. Do you know how much more this God loves you? Even if you don't love him, even if you don't acknowledge him, and we as Christians would be reminded of that, He loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us while we were rebellious and still said, I I want that one. Come on, come on. Do you know the love that God has for you? And would we be reminded of that today is what Pastor Nathan was even telling us through communion. Be reminded. He could have come up with a different plan, but he chose not to. That he sent his only begotten son. He loves us that much. I don't love any of you that much. Not even close. Sorry to burst your bubble. Right? Thank God he is righteous and good. Do you know the love of God? And maybe you're in a situation of sin or temptation or doubt or struggling, and Satan loves to say, see, he doesn't love you. See, he's holding on to you. This is because of this or because of that that you did. That's why this is happening. Look at the love of God. Second question. Do you walk in God's love for others? Do you walk in God's love for others? And um, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7 is perfect for this. He's talking about the unleashing of the Holy Spirit and power in the church. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Man, that right there is something that could speak to our culture. It's talking about walking in the love of Christ. Verse 4 love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. This is not just talking about marriages, friends, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth, always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And this is the type of love that Christians should experience within the body of Christ, but also the agape love that the world would receive from the church. Do you walk in God's love for others? And then lastly, last question is, do you stand on the name of Jesus? Smyrna and Philadelphia were both like, God is like, man, you're the least of all the churches. You got a lot of trouble against you, but man, I'm with you. Because you are standing on my name and you will not deny it. And in that, we're still talking about them today. And may we listen to that message. If you can, stand with me. We're going to pray. are um, people in the back that would love to pray with you As you just seek the Lord. And church, just as a close, like, let's be reminded. You know, there's a lot of, in, in, our, in our culture, there's a lot of um, good attention and bad attention on spiritual leaders and pastors of all kinds. One of the things that's dangerous in that is... Um, it becomes all about the person um, holding the mic. You know, they, they can lead that person to Jesus. They, they know all the things to say or do. And that's not how God has set this up. God set up teachers and, and prophets and, and apostles and leaders throughout time to equip God's people to do the work of the church that I also will do, as you will do. One person cannot lead and disciple people to Christ. That's not God's design, and it never works out. A friend of mine years ago as a mentor he said it's crazy. Jesus spent most of his time with 12 people and a few others and we have people that think they can lead thousands and it's wrong and it's not effective. God wants to use you and maybe you're here and you're like, but I'm such a mess. God uses your mess. Stand to Jesus. Well, but I, but I did this or I did that. Repent. Own up to it. Watch what God will do. If anyone but Jesus stands up in front of you and says, I'm here because I am good and perfect. They are a liar. But the work of the gospel is still working in them. Stand on the name of Jesus. Watch what he'll do. He wants to use your life because he loves you because you have the message of God written on you if you're in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we love you. Wake up your church this morning, Lord. You don't pick perfect people. You don't forgive perfect people, for there's no such thing other than Jesus. Would we be reminded of that? That you came for those that understand that they need a doctor. But you've come to heal our brokenness and that can only be done with the faith of Jesus Christ. Would we stand on that faith? And be reminded that your word will not come back void. God, move among your people. Speak to your people. For your gospel is better than what we could ever even hope for. In Jesus' name.